Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me today, not only do we have Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter live and in person, he has made it back from his cross-country there and back road trip, but we also have the fly-by-herself Broad Street Hockey Zone, Kelly Hinkle. How are you today, Hanks? Really good. And I have to say i i'm really kind of flattered that you continue to use me in your advertisements but i'm going to be contacting my attorney <laughs> people, for you using my likeness <laughs> people people want to know listen we have ag1 we have hero bread you no got, one's gonna no one wants me selling well, them health supplies you guys gotta like, stop getting sponsors that i personally use every I, might single day live, my life. I might not live through the season oh yeah i'm gonna use something <laughs> bill uses <laughs> like, if they win the stanley cup that's it it's over for me. Well, I mean, honestly, same probably, but yeah. uh, so Charlie, you have uh, you have returned. How was sure the trip? Do you, was it an enjoyable experience? The Flyers take five out of six points. You went to some pretty cool destinations. How was it? Yeah, it was a good trip. I mean, obviously a good trip for the Flyers. Get five out of six, as you said. Um, cool locations, nice and warm in uh, in Tempe. Cool being in that uh, you know that that college arena. That was a neat experience. Uh, Denver is always a fun city. I uh, met up with one of my friends who uh, is temporarily living there now. And then Nashville's Nashville. You know, it's always, always good. Would have been better if I would have uh, been able to watch an Eagles win on uh, on Sunday night. But beyond that, good time all around. I am absolutely exhausted, though. <laughs> so I will be sleeping very well for the next couple of days, I'm sure. But wanted to get in studio to do the show with uh with the gang before I pass out. I'm happy to have <laughs> you back. And it's have you seen the meme like. It's the uh, the Avengers, like, what did it cost? And it's like, oh, yeah. the Flyers are great. What did it cost? The Eagles. The Eagles, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, listen, we can't have it all in this city. No. Like, you know, Never. there's two championships in my lifetime. I guess four if we count the Phantoms. Um, <laughs> so two championships in my <laughs> lifetime. Yeah. We, we don't just get to have nice things. Something's going to be taken away from us, and it's going to be, oh, the Flyers, they're not the worst. Yeah, well, your Super Bowl football team, nah, don't don't... 
Don't think about it this time. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. And I just have to start with something that happened to me this morning. Like just an experience I had this morning. I wake up and see the Jonas Brothers are going to be playing the uh, the stadium series. Your dream the, is coming true. The, the Devil's Flyer <laughs> Stadium Series game. It's the uh, the weekend after the Super Bowl. They're doing the doubleheader Saturday and Sunday. The Flyers and Devils play, I believe, on Saturday. Um, I didn't know that, one, the Jonas Brothers still existed. I didn't either. And two, <laughs> I thought they were like a high school musical like Disney gimmick. But I didn't know they were real. I thought this was like going and seeing the beats from Doug. Oh, you didn't think they were actually brothers. I, I didn't think, <laughs> no, I thought this was like, like uh, the wild stallions or like, <laughs> oh, they're actually good. Like, yeah. They're, they saved the world. Yeah. Watch the third one. Um, <laughs> it was there. I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, <laughs> it's only a couple of years old. Uh, I, I didn't know. And this like, listen, I know this isn't like targeted at me cause I'm, I'm going anyway. I'm going to tune in if I wasn't going. This is much like the Super Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl halftime show should be Metallica for football fans. Like, no, you're watching the Super yeah. Bowl. Yeah. So you're it's going to be Taylor Swift for all the people who wouldn't care otherwise. It's about making it a spectacle. Uh, and so I, I'm not saying like, oh, this is stupid. Um, but it does. I, I just didn't know that they were real. <laughs> so like I, I get the point. Like you said, it's to bring in people who wouldn't otherwise be watching the game, but also what people? With, what people who, are is, still excited about is, the Jonas Brothers? Who are those like, people? Is there still a tremendous demand for I this? I don't know that there is. I, 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 I believe they just went on a tour, and God I think bless. it did pretty well. Okay. All right. And I will say that the the one Jonas brother is in the news a lot because Sansa Stark oh, from yeah. uh, from Game of Thrones he dumped Sansa. Yeah, he dumped her. So and moves. then she's Going like back on the she's road. Very I mean. much like like the hero in that story. Like he's the villain. Mm -hmm. So Naturally. I think that's part of it is that like there's a bit of timely nature to the Jonas Brothers right now so because the NHL is like we'll take the toxic one yeah, exactly I, I, I mean it's the NHL exactly. you're giving them way too much credit I have Charlie. no idea what the story credit. is I have no, no clue uh, but that's that's very funny um all right that, that was it that was my that was my like opening nonsense um this is something we started to talk about now transitioning to the actual Flyers. Yay. This is something the hockey team, the Flyers. Yeah, the hockey team, the Flyers, they're uh, not bad. Some would say actually good. Yeah. Uh, the big question with this team right now that we've started to hit on the last couple of days, how should we be evaluating them? Now in Charlie's uh, first, the first part of his interview with Danny Briere was, his, which is up for everyone at all PHLY.com. He made a point to say, we are in the rebuilding phase, and the big picture is still our main focus. Our eyes are building towards the future. But, like, on a game-to-game -game basis, this team competes at least, mm -hmm. often wins. Even when they lose, we can be like, oh, like, they lost, but they could have won, like, of a couple of other things, you know? Um they're not an embarrassment, which is really, really nice. It's refreshing. It's it's just nice. <laughs> Regardless of like what side of this tank, whatever thing you're on, you sit down and watch this team. It's got to be a little refreshing not to like want to pull your eyes out to not have to watch the worst hockey you've ever seen. If you're a normal human. <laughs> like, right? Yeah. Like, so, but on a game-to-game -game basis now, 
I'm starting to do things like, why the hell is the fourth line out in a tie game with seven minutes left? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Right. You know, and maybe that's unfair because they're rebuilding and like at the end of a long road, whatever. Uh, but should we start treating them like a team that could get into the playoffs? And right now we're a third of the way through. They're in the third spot in the division tied with the Islanders who we saw them head to head. If they play in the playoffs, the Flyers will win unless Sorokin has a shutout every game, which not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, yeah, it's possible. Flyers aren't that good, and Sorokin's <laughs> awesome. God, I'm just, yeah, but like, they're considerably better than the team right now that you would see matched up with them in the playoffs. Um, how are you looking at this thing? Like tomorrow night, playing the Caps, they should win. Like I'm gonna look at them like this. Like how are you evaluating them? I still don't understand why we can't be doing both things. Like, why can't we be evaluating them with the rebuild in mind? And part of the reason why they're so good is because a lot of the young players are playing well, which is good for the rebuild. And guys like Travis Sanheim, who will be older when Mitchkoff gets here, but will still probably be an important part of the team because we can't get rid of him. It's good that he's playing well. Like, And then also, hey, winning is fun. Let's do that. And maybe get into the playoffs and see what happens. I just don't know why it can't be both. I don't disagree that it can be both. But I do think that there is a risk in terms of us as fans and us as analysts hold, not holding the team accountable enough if we let them kind of have their cake and eat it too. Fair. Because like it can't be a situation where when they do something that is more win now it can be like oh yeah well they're trying to make the playoffs and then when they do something that is more rebuild focus then we said we defend it by saying oh but they're rebuilding like we i i do think that there's an element here where like for example and bill you talked about this earlier in the season when i was defending this guy about nicholas delorier and about how people were complaining about the fact that he was in the lineup and i said look he's playing pretty well to start the year he doesn't deserve to come out of the lineup well, right now, I guess there are 12 forwards. They, I know they have Ole Luxell around, but it's fairly clear that they just wanted him to be up here in case somebody got sick. And even if somebody got sick, he didn't even get in the second game despite that. Point being is that Nick Deloria, despite the fact that he did do the, the team thing in terms of fighting to protect Owen Tippett in the and last game. And he was game. blocking shots while they were hemmed in. He was like doing some decent but work like down the, low last But night. the Flyers are getting crushed with him on the ice again. Like, I, I said that I would advocate for him to come out of the lineup more often if the Flyers started getting crushed with him on the ice. The Flyers are starting to get crushed with him on the ice. And it's one of those things where if you're rebuilding and you're fully focused on rebuilding, then sure, play play Nick Deloria 82 game, times a year. I don't care. But if you're trying to say, well, we're rebuilding, but hey, if we make the playoffs, that's great, and we're trying to do that too, then maybe we should be a little bit more critical that Nick Delurier has locked into the lineup every night. I just... <sighs> okay. About this player specifically, Nick Delurier, while, yes, like the on-ice results are not great. I mean, we know what Nick Delurier is. He's one of the toughest bastards in the league. Um... He would beat up most players in the league. <laughs> Even other fighters don't yeah. really seem to really want a piece of Nick Delorier. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Um, 
while his individual results are not what you would want, is there something to, because we said, regardless of if players are safer or not, if they can play a little bolder or not, if it's actually true, that doesn't matter. If the players believe that they are safer because Delorier is in the lineup, is that not then contributing to their success? Like, I, early in the season, it was like the Flyers have a great fourth line. That's cool, whatever. Yeah. And now, like, we're kind of still in that. Well, they have an effective fourth line, and you look at it, it's, do really. they still? Yeah. And, yeah. and maybe not, but if the other, you know, 20 guys in the lineup feel better because he's out there, maybe it is more of a win now move. And also, I mean, what are the odds that John Tortorella still thinks they have an effective fourth line? Like, obviously, I'm sure he looks at the numbers. He's not an idiot. But the fact that he he's says in so love much, with that line. The fact that he says so much he doesn't and doesn't know what they mean tells me he looks oh, at Oh, for them. sure. He definitely yeah. does. He, it, he's got a, a, you know, reputation to maintain. Yeah, but yeah. He course. doesn't want the nerds to know that he likes them. Or he just depends upon guys like Brad Shaw to yeah. look at the numbers for him and, and tell them what they are. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I, I'm not sure that there's nothing in the idea that John Tortorella doesn't think that that fourth line is going to help them win games. I think he probably does. Let's. I, I'm going to talk. I want to talk a little about uh, Charlie's Mark Stahl article later. Uh, but let's use that as the example. The Zamula Stahl rotation whatever's going on with them sometimes they'll play with seven maybe we'll see that again and but last time they did like stall played eight minutes or yeah, something he was the seven uh, he was clearly the seven even with zamula being up and down now uh, in that article uh tortorella is like listen i think he's been better last like he's found finding a little more consistency if they are and this is again like danny has said it's really tight, and we'll see where we are. Like, I have no idea. We could lose. This is the Flyers. They could lose 10 in a row. You know, they just lost one. Nine more. Not out of the realm of possibility. We have seen it happen many times. I'm just like, so he, Danny is preparing us. Like, yeah, when things go south, we're going to have a different. Right. But just the idea, okay, Mark Stahl hasn't been very good to the eyes. Look at the numbers in your article. If nothing else, he's been more consistent. And we know coaches love, even if it's, I know what mistakes he's going to make consistent, yeah. consistently, I can at least count on that yeah. and build from there. If I don't know what mistakes you're going to make, I can't play you because I can't like form a plan around that. That's kind of more what Zamula has been. And Mark Stahl, at least we know he will be consistent. If it's February and they're still in the middle of this, they the idea to me, if it's win now, is go with Stahl. If they're still going with Zamula and he's up and down and struggling, how will we react to like, okay, well, it is a rebuild and they're doing the right developmental thing by keeping him in there and seeing if he can play through it, or is it ah, oh, this team can make the playoffs? Uh, should we be trying to do that? I guess I'm still very much on the side of the rebuild. And this goes back to what you asked me yesterday when you said, what about the possibility of them trading for a power play quarterback? No, because I am, <laughs> because I am no, still yeah. very much, no, this is a rebuilding team. If they're a rebuilding team that just like kind of lucks into being way better than we expect, like I guess, sure, 
because they are out shooting and out chancing pretty much every team they play. So sure. But to me, like I wouldn't change the philosophy. I would still be trying to develop Igor Zamula. And if you just, just decide that Igor Zamula is never going to figure it out, then bench him and bring up Emil Andre and have him take over that role and see if he can do better. Because the goal here still in my mind is finding out what you have in the young guys, developing the young guys. And if, in the process, you win a lot of games. I guess cool, but the process that they should be using should be rebuilding. And if that accidentally has them fall ass backwards into a winning team, then I guess cool. So I kind of, I kind of feel like that's what they're doing because the Zamula thing is one of the reasons why I think it's silly to think that they've abandoned the rebuild. Oh, they have. Like they're clearly rebuilt. They're cl- yeah. yeah, they're they're trying to get wow. him to play through it. And he's not been great. And if they had shifted from we're rebuilding to we're going to try to win because they're playing well, I don't think they would be giving him such a long leash. I agree. So I do kind of think that the organization is kind of doing like a, okay, we're rebuilding, but maybe we'll make the playoffs. And I think that like, I don't know that they're trying to make the playoffs. I think that they're just like, well, we're going to go with it if they're going to keep playing well. The reason I've said a few times, like even if they make the playoffs this year, that does not mean like next year, if they shed a couple more guys, they're not going to be worse. Like I think it's a very high end possibility because at this moment right now, I think there are three guys in the category of still developing yet NHL ready. And it's Zamula, Brink, and Forster. They don't have a ton of other like NHL-ready dudes. I mean, you could put Lazinski in there. I guess we've seen it. They could try a few more guys, but they are not of the belief that you know, guys like Emil Andre, they gave it a shot. And it's like, okay, he's not ready. Let's. They have a bunch of not-ready guys. They have prospects who haven't even really joined the organization yet. And then just a handful of people who are actually going to be contributing so they do have a lot of vets and like that doesn't look like a rebuild but i get what stage they're in so i think they can do both and since they can i think they owe it to us the people who've been watching this bullshit for a decade (laughs) to try to get into the playoffs now try to get into the playoffs does not mean buying at the deadline but i would not hate it if in a couple of months, they start making decisions that were like, really? Is that what a rebuilding team does? Because that doesn't change the long term for me. Like, if you're not surrendering assets, if you're not like hindering anyone's development, but you make decisions like, yeah, Zamula ain't going to play tonight. That doesn't kill me. Mm, no. I, I do kind of think that once we get to that point, for me, it's going to be very situational. Like... Because I do think that there's a very fine line between hindering development and sitting a guy for a little bit because you want him to watch from the press box. Like I, I do think that if they go too hard into we're winning now, there are a lot of decisions that they could make that would maybe not destroy the rebuild, but would kind of probably stall the process a little bit. And I don't want them to do that. I don't think they have enough options to like stall the rebuild. I mean, like, that's fair. Yeah, there's not enough really dudes that... I mean, I guess we could see Ronnie Adder if it's like, well, we need a power play quarterback, give him a shot. And it's, well, we don't really think he's ready. Like, I guess like they just don't have enough guys who are ready to do it. So there's not that much development to be hindered. Like if Brink and Forster come out of this lineup, the team's worse. 
Yeah. Like, who are they replacing them right. with? You know, like I don't see that many options to really mess with the uh, the big picture. Yeah, and Briere had an interesting point he made in the interview I did with him in part two, um, because I, I didn't think his answer. I, I thought when I asked him specifically about Morgan Frost, I thought he gave half of a bad answer and half of a good answer. I thought the bad part of the answer was when he basically said, look, like it was either him or Forrester and Brink and Forrester and Brink were playing better. And I was like, Danny, that's not the best answer because like you easily could have dropped Scott Lawton down to the fourth line. Scratch Paling sooner, scratch Laurier, scratch Hathaway. Like there were other ways to do it, but you guys decided that like that wasn't an option. So it then becomes, it, it was, it was a, they basically created something that wasn't there. I didn't like that part of the answer. I did, however, and this made me look at it a little bit differently. I did like his one answer because basically what I had said was like, how is sitting Morgan Frost for half the games? How does that fit with a rebuild? How does that even make sense? He's 24 years old. You want to figure out what you have in him. And he basically said, look, we have a lot of guys who are young in this lineup. Like pretty much our whole forward core in the top nine, with the exception of what Couturier and Lawton and Atkinson. Like they're all in that because his viewpoint. They're all in that middle range. His viewpoint yeah. is that like guys like because if we're saying that, and and it's a reasonable point. If we're saying that benching Morgan Frost is a betrayal of the rebuild, then therefore Owen Tippett is also is is the fact that they're playing Owen Tippett. That's a good thing for the rebuild. He basically said, look, like I know Travis Connect is 26 years old, but like I think he's still developing. I think he is still working to be better. And that does sound ridiculous on the surface of it. And then you see like the trajectory he's on yeah. and it's no, he's finding another level. But his argument is basically like, I don't know how you can say we're not being true to the rebuild. Take a look at how many guys between the ages of 21 and 26 are in our lineup. It's a lot. And it's a reasonable counter argument. It is. Uh, the reason uh, it just, I must reiterate this with Morgan Frost. Every time his name comes up, they've already figured out what they have in him. Whether they're, whether they're right yeah. or wrong, doesn't matter. They've made up their mind. Yeah. Like that's just all there is to it. I like, he's not a thing. He's not going to be a part of this. The yeah. end. Like, that's why if he, they have an opportunity to take him out, they do. But their, their viewpoint, and I'm sure this is the conversation that they have internally when they see people on Twitter losing their minds about Morgan Frost. And it's like, oh, they're not really rebuilding. They're benching Morgan Frost. And probably the conversation they all have at Flyers HQ is we're not rebuilding. Like, let, let me count the guys. Travis Konechny, Joel Farabee, Owen Tippett, Bobby Brink, Cam York, Tyson Forrester, Noah Cates. Like all of these guys are playing in roles that they're playing in because they're rebuilding and you guys just won't shut up about Morgan Frost. I suspect that's probably what's being said internally where it's like, yeah, okay, there's one guy we're not playing, but we're playing everybody else. And so shut the hell up. It, there is like a lot of selective... Like, well, it's not my guy, though. Yeah. And exactly. a lot of people don't want it. Like, this is, it feels like Joel Farabee's 25, 26, but he's 23. Yeah. Like, he's been here. He was here the pandemic season. Like, that feels like it was a decade ago. <laughs> like, so people don't want to hear Farabee is part of that group when it seems like he's more of a connect me guy. Yeah. No, he's been here forever. And also, like, 
He played all last year with an injured neck. Yeah. And he's still pretty young. <laughs> yeah, and he's still young. Like People don't want to hear Noah Cates as part of we're playing the young guys because they believe he has a low ceiling. Like, I do think there's a little bit of the selectiveness when it goes on in that conversation, but they're not wrong. Like, the Flyers are not wrong in that they do have a lot of those younger guys. It's just that they don't have the high-end young guys yet. They are right. not here. And because of that, maybe Brink and Forster can get there uh, but I, I think those are really good middle six dudes on a good team. I think I think Brink might be a really good middle six dude. I think Forrester has higher upside. Than uh, his that. upside could be. I think uh, he could be a good top six because of his two way play. I think it, like you made the comparison to Mark Stone the other day. I made the comparison to Jeff Carter. I think he could be somewhere in the middle of that. I like, think that's his ceiling. I'm not saying like no, Mark, no, no, Mark Stone, uh, I think, is, is a top tier NHL player. Yeah. And if Tyson Forrester becomes 90% of what Mark Stone is, that's an incredible that'd outcome. That would be good. Yeah. Be, I would like oh, that. No, no, free. That's, but, that's, but I'm just saying like that, like I watch Tyson Forrester and I say it's unlikely, but that is his plausible best case scenario ceiling. Everyone reaching their absolute best case scenario is always unlikely. Right. Like there's a lot of shit that goes on. Eric Lindros is like the best player who ever lived, but he couldn't skate with his head up, so we he wasn't. Don't go, we can't get started. I'm just saying, I'm, like I it's even for a dude who's in the Hall I of know. Fame uh, and was an MVP and went to a cup like led led the Stanley Cup playoffs and scoring. Yeah, never reached his potential because he couldn't skate. Like it's unlikely anyone gets you to can, their absolute. You can nitpick ceiling. everyone. You yeah. can nitpick Mario Lemieux because yes. he got hurt a lot. Exactly. Like a hundred percent. Things you can't pick though. Nitpick oh. though. Our friends at Wheelhouse hey. Cards. Eh, it was all right. <laughs> Calling all card collectors. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card gift and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Topps Chrome Baseball and Mosaic Football, as well as T-shirts, hats, and hoodies from brands like Mitchell & Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food, Starter, and Shide Vintage Sports. And if you're looking to grade your own sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester, open seven days a week at 11 a.m., and use code PHLY to get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in the store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards, Wayner Westchester, PHLY. Go check out our friends at Wheelhouse. Uh, we keep getting like DMs from listeners of different shows here at PHLY who are uh, going and checking out Wheelhouse, and then they show us like some just really cool, whether it's a collectible or just regular team apparel, whatever it is. Uh, and everyone seems really pleased when they stop in. So I'm going to have to get out there and check it out because I love an in store discount. Uh, but PHLY. Wheelhouse cards. Go check them out. All right. Uh, Charlie, a little bit ago, you brought up the question from last night about potentially a acquiring a power play quarterback. And I was just kind of mulling over our conversation about it last night. And while scrolling the old Twitter.com, I see Craig Berube got fired. Sure did. So I'm starting to think about the blues and it takes me back to this summer and the attempt to acquire Tory Krug. Now there's conflicting reports on whether he would have actually played here or we flip him. Mm. If it was, I mean, watching what this team is right now, I could see them maybe going, yeah, we're keeping him. 
the thought process we all had in the summer is, well, they've acknowledged the rebuild. They're clearly going to flip him. Do you think in your mind the idea was, yeah, we're going to try to turn him into more assets after we move on from Sanheim or Hayes? Or did they potentially see this power play quarterback problem and go, that's a solution? I don't think... So I I want to address a couple things here because I don't think the thought process behind getting Tory Krug was... Re- of course, it was, I guess, related a little bit because you can talk yourself and anything. I don't think it was like, we're going after Tory Krug because our power play sucks. Like, yeah, they could use a power play quarterback. They could also use four other guys. They could also use a great net front guy. They could also use a guy. Like, they, this power play is not... We saw what this power play is with a really good power play quarterback. They had one last year in Tony D'Angelo. It was still god freaking awful. That's not the solution. That said, if we're going back to the trade itself, my understanding of what Krug was told when they were trying to convince him to waive his no trade to go to Philly was that we are not acquiring you to flip you immediately. Okay. You don't have to worry about that. However... We are not going to guarantee that a year or two down the road, because we are a rebuilding team, that we might not come to you and say, hey, would you be willing to waive your no trade to go somewhere else? So I don't think the intention was ever, let's get him and then immediately trade him somewhere else. But I do think they wanted to leave the option open to a year or two down the road, maybe move him somewhere else. And I don't think he liked that idea either because he wants stability for his family and things like that. So that was, that was my understanding of the negotiations and what went down. I, and this is all kind of a moot conversation because uh, the blues have one of the power plays that's actually worse than the flyers <laughs> and Tory Krug four power play points on the season, one goal, three assists. It's not as if he's uh He's tearing it up. And the other side of that, like Sanheim's presence and emergence is one of the major reasons that this team is in this yes. position. But I would love to hear Tory Krug's like internal monologue. The Flyers in playoff position, the Blues just fired their coach. Like no. I would just love to know. Like maybe he doesn't give a shit. And he's like, whatever. I'm I go to work. I punch in, punch out. Like that's that's a totally fine position to have. Yeah. Yeah, they're paying you to do a job and you show up and do it. Who cares? Uh, but I would just love to know, like, hmm. Bet you wish you wave that no trade now, don't you? But like this team would probably suck if it didn't have Sanheim and put exactly. Tori Krug in, in that place. So yeah. Who's to say? I will make an argument, though. I don't want to see what you guys think about this. Now, like, I don't know the uh, the example we got last night. Maybe it's Tyson Barry uh, as a potential target for a power play quarterback if they wanted to acquire one. Could you argue much the way we did when they brought in guys like Hathaway and Stahl and didn't trade Lawton that for young guys to develop they need to play with somebody like competent next to them, somebody who at least knows what they're supposed to be doing. And if that's the case, could it be argued that for guys like Forster and Tippett and Brink to develop into viable power play options? Cause whether it's on a first or a second unit, I would think those dudes along with Joel Farabee, even though he's not even on the power play right now, which is another ridiculous Weird. conversation. Yes. Um, they're going to be a part of like the power play at some point, I would think. If they're going to develop into people who can produce at that, don't they need a legitimate quarterback? So do the Flyers really have no one that can improve the power play? Like, is this a personnel problem or is it a coaching problem? I feel like we have this conversation 
every year of our lives with the power play because it I, stunk for so long. I just mean like 11 and a half percent. It's bad. And they have more guys on the ice than the other team. Unless the coach is telling them fucking don't score. Mm. I don't see what the, like what That's he fair. could possibly be telling I them guess. to make them this bad. They score more at five on five than they do when the other team has fewer players. Yeah. But power plays tactical. And I, I kind of, I'm kind of with Kelly here. Like, the more the more we're seeing the fact that at five on five, the Flyers are real good. On the penalty kill, the Flyers are real good. On the power play, they stink. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is it possible <laughs> that the team is good and the power play coach is just bad at his job? I, I just... There's bad... Like, all right. To make a cross-sport comparison, which I know everyone out there loves, the, uh, the Eagles' offensive coordinator might not be very good. There's some issues with the play calling. I would agree with that. Also, they have scored 28, 30 points a whole bunch of times this year. Like, and there's no more tactical a game than football. Players make plays eventually. Someone does something. And literally nobody does shit ever on the power play. They haven't scored in a month. But don't, don't football players have the ability to like change if they think something else would be better like i feel like hockey players when the coach tells them what to do they're doing that and they're not going to deviate from it whereas don't football is that a thing am i making that i up? mean yes. you, can, you can audible but yes but also i'm those, just trying those, to make those some on, look bill i guess my biggest argument against that point is one that i made about five minutes ago which is We've already seen what the Flyers' power play looks like with a good power play quarterback. Say what you will about Tony D'Angelo. He is good at quarterbacking a power play. It was still garbage. I will give you that. (laughs) Completely fair point. Also, the team last year, nowhere close to this one. The team last year did not have Forster and Brink. The team last year, Owen Tippett, first year. Uh, Joel Farabee, neck didn't work. Coming back from that, no <laughs> Couturier, no <laughs> Couturier, no Atkinson. Like these are forwards no, who can right. put the puck in the net that they did not have at least at this the availability that they do this year, right? Like if I just I'm not even advocating for this. I'm just trying to make the like ever no should they spend assets on a fucking Tony D'Angelo Tyson Barrett no that's dumb he's apparently on the trade market again uh, I'm just get Tony oh, you don't say bad player is bad <laughs> like uh, i'm just saying if we made this argument for the team as a whole if we just put guys in position to succeed cuz they have someone good setting them up standing next to them could that argument not be made for the special teams play it's specifically power play quarterback so that's all I, I think my argument against that, which is the same argument I made when they traded for Tony D'Angelo in the first place was getting Tony D'Angelo is not going to fix the power play because there's only so much a power play defenseman. We call him the power play quarterback, but he, I think the defenseman, unless he's like Shea Weber or Kel McCarr, he's less the power play quarterback than like, I don't know the power play wide receiver. The power play quarterback was Claude Drew. The power play quarterback is the guy who makes the passes and sets everyone up. If you could tell me that we could get one of those guys, then yeah, I think everybody else on the power play would benefit from having a really good playmaker to set up Tyson Forrester, to to send the puck cross ice to Bobby Brink, to get Travis Konechny involved down low. That would be amazing. The problem is, is that no one, none of those guys are available no. because they're all, it, like, all those guys are real good and it, no one gives them up. And this guy, I mean, one of the more 
underrated players of his generation. I always think of, and you're right about Drew. He was the quarterback. I mean, he literally had the puck the entire, unless he was going cross yeah. the Voracek and it was coming back, <laughs> or he was dishing it up to the point and then it was coming back. Like, he had the puck the entire power play. I Like, I think of pre-Giroux Tiemannan, where it was the best possible decision maker. Yeah. Like it, it's not just when they're set up. It's our, as we're entering, is it the best to dump it? Is it the best to pass it? Is it the best to carry it? And then once you're in there, it's okay. Do I go back to the guy who just sent it to like the best possible point guard? I guess I would put it as, that's and that's fair. like a team and in level guy. But of course, team and in level guys are also not available. Like <laughs> they're very hard to find. Cause he's the best second pair defenseman. Maybe I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, and, and like, not that I'm in any way, shape, or form advocating that the Flyers should have been involved in in going for this guy for multiple reasons. But like, like one guy, if if you if your goal was to try to fix the Flyers' power play in the sense of like a rising tide lifts all ships, all the young players will improve. Like to me, the move would have been try to get Patrick Kane. Because, like, he can actually set guys up. He's an elite passer. Now, I don't think the Flyers should have done that. I'm glad glad they didn't. But, like, that moves the needle on, like, his big thing is that he probably can't skate that well anymore, and that's why he was still available because he's coming off the hip surgery. But, like, if you want to just stick him on the half ball and have him pass to all the players the Flyers have, like, yeah, I guess you could have justified that. I wouldn't want Patrick Kane. I'm glad they didn't go for him. But like that to me is more of a needle mover on the power play than trading for Tyson Barry. Like, is he even that good? Yeah. He scored a lot of points with Connor McDavid on the power play. Wow. I could do that. Also like before we go acquiring people to make the power play better, why don't they try putting a guy that scores lots of goals on the power play for some time? (laughs) Like Joel Farabee might you know, warrant a look and on just the power like, play. Uh, in terms of fit, like they have Tippett and they have Forster, right-handed guys who can really shoot that they can put in the left circle. We saw having that cross ice possibility with Giroux and Voracek was huge. Yeah, yeah. Like if you could just put Joel Farabee on the right circle opposite Tippett or Forster, I really feel like and that, gets that back, would be helpful, but that gets back now? to coaching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, and that's, that's the type of thing when I asked earlier, like, okay, how hypercritical of that sort of, you know, micro decision should we be if, okay, it's a rebuild. Like if it's a rebuild and they're going to talk about Farabee as one of the young guys, well, all right, let's develop them. Yeah. And if we're going like, to both ways, honestly, it doesn't make sense not to have Joel Farabee on the power play. Right. Agreed. Like if Agreed. you're, if you, if it's all about development, he's one of your young guys who can, who has shown he can score at least some in this league, maybe have him out there. And if it's about winning now, um, he's definitely going to be better at it than Scott Lawton or Cam yeah. Atkinson. Like yeah. that's just the way it is. He's a more skilled player. Uh, so I, that part of it doesn't make sense. I just want to look uh, the power play numbers, we've talked about it maybe every show. 11.5%, maybe the craziest thing about is that, that is they're the sixth worst. Yeah, they're not That's, even the that worst. That is hilarious. That really is now, objectively funny. hilarious. Yes. Two of the, like, absolute five teams worse is wild. Hilarious. Now, two of the teams are the Penguins and Flames, and they're at 114 
So it's so, right there. So yeah. it's basically the same. same. Uh, and then there's the Blackhawks at 10. All right, that makes sense. They stink. Yeah. The Blues at 8.4. All right, that's probably why Craig Berube got fired because yep. they can't score ever. And then the Caps at 8.2 with wild. legitimately like the power play the goal best. guy. Yeah. The dude. Yeah. I, I've never heard like Ovechkin hasn't scored in 10 games. Longest streak of his career. I think I saw he only has five goals on the year. One on the power play. What's happening there? So, of course, with the Capitals coming to town on Thursday, I will be putting my mortgage oh on God. Alex Ovechkin scoring a goal oh because this is Flyers hockey, baby. See, to me, the, the more the more fascinating thing, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about this tomorrow during when I do like my, uh, my post-practice notes uh, video after the morning skate, it's less like... Am I shocked that Alexander Ovechkin isn't scoring? Yes. Am I shocked that the Washington Capitals power play is this bad? Yes. What I'm more shocked about is the fact that he isn't scoring, their power play is trash, and they have a good record? Backstrom is yeah. dead. <laughs> what is uh, that's, no, it's They're like really freaking good. All of a sudden, they started the season, it was like they weren't ready to go. This might be a disaster. They could be in, they like might win the lottery. And now they're one of the hottest teams in hockey since like week two. How are they winning? <laughs> it's, I don't, it's I don't know. I, I, it's that it's that Carberry guy, but like again, I don't even how. Who is how are they doing this? And if listen, if you want to know, if you want to know how they're doing this up close, man, come to the takeover tomorrow. Every time Alex Ovechkin takes the ice, he's chasing history. We know that. There's actually an, actually an interesting divisional matchup now because both teams are like fighting to get into the playoffs. All you have to do to get a ticket to the game. An invite to our meetup pregame starting at 6 o'clock and free food and drink prior to uh, the end of second intermission. So all the way through the first and second period till the end of second intermission, free food and drink with your ticket is go to allphly.com, click the events tab, and hit the Flyers takeover. It's going to be a really good time. Charlie and I are, will be there. Uh, JP is coming. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be really fun. I just want to see it. So go to allphly.com, get a ticket to this thing. It's going to be a good game. Like these are two teams playing well. I expect the Flyers to win. That's always fun. Like expect that's it felt really good last night to be bummed that they lost, like yeah. the way they did. I was like, "Oh man, that sucks." It's like I felt good. Yeah. Like I actually mm. actually care. Yeah, like, rooting for your so favorite if, team. That's if fun. you're caring the way we do, allphly.com, check out the takeover. Um, that's, I don't really want to talk about the power play anymore. It stinks. Like, I just, I, th it's, this, it's, this Capitals it, thing is wild to me though. Like they are, they are 30 <laughs> they're 32nd in goals for their fourth in goals against Charlie Lindgren has a 931 save percentage. Probably, probably sustainable. Wild. Sure. Yeah. Wild. It's probably like, I don't know. I just, that's a team where like, that's got to fall off a cliff at some point. Right. Yes. Like there's, there's no way they can sustain this. I guess the only, <sighs> Like he's thirty eight, so it's possible. Like Ovechkin is just all right. That's it. But you never lose the hands. I guess the only okay, what they're doing right now isn't sustainable. But eventually, like Ovi gets going, yeah, he's going to start that, scoring. That like, yeah. and then he scores at a sixty goal pace for the second half of the season, and that evens that. it out. We're a third of the way through. Yeah, that's this wild. Is, it's what flying. is time. It yeah. doesn't. Oh, it doesn't feel like I'm being hit over the head with a sledgehammer every time I watch them. <laughs> so it's actually like moving yeah, forward yeah, right. at a decent pace. All right. So let's talk about. Uh, let's talk about Mark Stahl and specifically that article 
you wrote about him, Charlie. Just his transition into this role as a guy who is not going to play every night and hasn't been playing. And even the other night when he got in as the seven, he was clearly the seven. Yeah. Um, I, I just really found this interesting because we talk like, oh, this isn't a rebuild, stuff like that. Since being cleared for action in mid-November, the 36-year-old has been a healthy scratch in five of 12 games. And over the last six, he sat three not including a night as the clear seventh defenseman in Colorado when he skated for just eight minutes and 30 seconds. Um, that's cool. Like, before I get to the, like, Zamula of this all. Um, Zamula of this all. I, that's where I'm going with it. But <laughs> what was your main takeaway? Like, read the article, allphly.com. It's very good. What was your, like, takeaway of his attitude? I, I think he has as positive of an attitude as you can have, given the fact that he's not playing like I think you have to and in no way shape or form am I like championing Mark Stahl as this like paragon of virtue and everything that's good (laughs) about hockey but last June he was getting 20 minutes a night on a team that got to the cup final not a lot of guys would be able to just swallow this and just be like yeah, it's cool. I'm the seven. I'm just going to be a nice guy and like, you know, try to give pointers to Cam York and Igor Zamula. And he is. So clearly the Flyers knew what they were doing when they signed this guy. Because like, what, like Keith Yandel got benched one game and basically threw a shit fit and is still complaining about it Mm -hmm. on every single show he ever gets put on. Like Mark Stahl came into this. And when I interviewed Torts about it on Tuesday morning, I basically was like, look, you told us first day of training camp, Stahl wasn't going to play every night. But now that it's actually happening, is it different? And Torch said, look, yeah, it is. Because it's easy to have the conversation before he signs. It's easy to have the conversation in camp. Now he's living it. And it's tough. And and Torch is like, look, I respect Mark Stahl. And I know that I need to keep the line of communication strong between me and him to make sure that he knows he's still valued because I don't want to have lied to him and made him feel like he's important. And then now that he's not playing, we just blow him off because he's in a, he's a healthy scratch. So I think Torts actually is doing a pretty good job here in adhering to what he said he was going to do, which is prioritize the development of Igor Zamula over Mark Stahl, even if Mark Stahl is objectively outplaying Igor Zamula, but then also not alienating Mark Stahl to the point where Stahl feels like he got lied to and he's being marginalized. So that leads me to the guy who's playing, we believe, instead of, I mean, it's the rotation. It's Stahl and Zamula. Yeah. Is it a little concerning that right at this moment they don't have anyone better than Igor Zamola? Like, I'm not saying he's been all bad, but it's pretty clear he doesn't have a particularly high ceiling, right? I mean, do you, do we really think that's the consideration that they're making? Or are they thinking like, okay, we have this guy. He's no longer waiver exempt. We have to see what he is. Let's just let him play. Because, again, they're still committed to the rebuild. And they might have something here. And I I'm, I do feel that his ceiling is lower than I kind of hoped it was going to be, which, you know, all right, that's fine. But if they can turn him into a steady third-pair defenseman, that's a good thing to have if you're going to be a good hockey team. So I, I kind of – I'm not sure that the thought process is, 
oh, we don't have anybody better than Igor Zamula, so we have to keep playing him. Like, I, I do really think that they're trying to turn him into the best version of himself, whatever that might be. And I think that's what they're doing more than playing who they think is the best guy. And to that point, I could have said the exact same thing a year ago about Nick Sealer. And yeah. he is never going to be a point-producing machine, although he did score the goal the year last year. Uh, that was a hell of a goal. He's playing almost 19 minutes a game over the last 19 games on a team that is holding a playoff spot a third of the way through the season. And yeah. teams are calling about him. And yeah, they, want they want him. him. Yeah. Yeah, like teams, oh, yeah, we want Walker and uh, throw in Sealer, too. Yeah, we need like, them both. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Just we're take gonna, that entire pair yeah. and put it on our team. Right. You're just going to take them and give them to us. Yeah. It's, it's, like, it's, I very much remember... Uh, I'm, just, I'm envisioning the like the, the Patrick pushing Bikini Bottom somewhere else <laughs> meme, but it's just like, we're going to take the Flyers' second pair and put it on another team. I just I just remember when, uh, when the Phillies traded Bobby Abreu and the Yankees were like, so you're going to give us Corey Ladle too, right? And we're like, what? I, yeah. Sure. What the hell? Whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Like, and that's, do we, do we know what team is like, give us both? Do we have like a In thought? In my head, it's the Leafs it, because it's always the Leafs. I mean, and that, that you're honestly, you're probably right. Yeah. Like you're probably right. I just look at like, I guess, cause neither of them are like expensive. It makes sense. And like, okay, we need, we need uh Walker cause he's good. And then, well, we got to get the playoff guy, too. Well, they like, we need the snarl. But, but, but apparently the Leafs really want, like, there's a reason why they checked it on Risto. Mm -hmm. Because they really oh, want course. that. They want that physical presence for the get playoff. playoff. Let's Risto. get all three. You got to get playoff Risto. <laughs> you want all three? <laughs> I got to say, 90, almost 90% of the reason why I want the Flyers to make the playoffs is I want to see actual playoff, playoff Risto. Risto. And just see, like... Because it'll be hilarious. They trade him and then they make it. Yeah. It'll be hilarious if, like, A, he turns out to be, like, fucking great in the playoffs. No, like, he's that'll gonna, be hilarious. He's going to be Gudis, where everyone's like, yo, he's not that good, but for some reason right. everyone wins with him. Yeah. And then also <laughs> hilarious would be if he's just, like, horrible and, like, not at all physical because every team has been like, oh, playoff Risto, you got to have him. Like, any, do you? Any oh. outcome is is funny. Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's, it's It's, it's, like... It's gonna. He's gonna be talked about like Luke Shen. It's like yes, <laughs> Luke Shen was a, an integral part of the Tampa Bay Cup teams. Also, he didn't play every night. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> they didn't absolutely have to have him in the lineup. But, it, it, but any also, outcome with Risto in the playoffs yeah. is going to be funny. Be no, but but Bill, going back to your original question, essentially about the idea of don't they have anybody better than than Zamula right now? I think Kelly is one hundred percent right in that the waiver exempt status is a big part of it because. They know that they don't know if they waived and there would be a decent chance he'd get claimed. I don't think it's a guarantee, but it would it'd be a possibility. Maybe. And if they were to call someone else up like they did at the beginning of the year with, with Emil Andre, they saw what they ran into the last time where they just didn't have enough room. It ended up being this weird rotation. Andre wasn't ready, whatever. But it was tough to juggle all of that. And they think it's important because then I've heard some people be like, well, why don't you just dump stall like you know, whatever, they think it's important for Stahl to be on this roster from a mentor standpoint and even for Zamula. Like, that was one thing because I specifically asked Tortorella because he always brings up Dan Boyle as, like, oh. the dream option in terms of, like, what Cam York could become if he hits his ceiling. Because okay. Dan Boyle is, like, one of Torts' favorite players that he's ever coached. He's like, man, it would be great if Cam York could be Dan Boyle. So I was like, okay, well, when you watch Zamula, 
who do you look at and you say, you know, if he hits his ceiling, he could be that. And basically, Torts kind of hemmed and hawed for a little bit, not because I think he was lying, because he was just thinking. And then he's like, well, you know, one guy who he kind of reminds me a little bit of is the guy who he's right next to in the locker room, Mark Stahl in his prime. Like, that could be what Zamola could become. And I want Zamola to be watching Mark Stahl when he's not playing to know, like, this is what I should do with my stick. Obviously, Zamola's a better skater than Stahl is now. Zamola's better with the puck than Stahl maybe ever was, which... Uh, Torts also acknowledged. He said, I saw in the article, he's yeah. like, I think he's got more offense yeah. than Stahl's he ever did. Like, exactly. Okay. But good. You I, see that? I think they look at it and they say, Stahl, number one, they want him on the team for the ability to mentor the young guys. But number two, they want him on the team because they like Zamula being able to watch a guy like Stahl who they might think, like, hey, Maybe that is Zamula's ceiling, is being a solid second pair defenseman on a cup contending team like he was with the Rangers in the, the early to mid-2010s. But going back to the, the prospects for a second, Emil Andre already got his chance. He didn't look ready. I get the sense he's trending upwards. Danny Breer did mention his name as somebody who's playing well down there. If he keeps it up, maybe he'll get another look. But I don't think they're going to rush it, given how much he struggled when he was up here a month and a half ago. Wasn't that wasn't that long ago. The two guys who people I think would like to see would be Ronnie Adder and Adam Jenning. Neither of them were mentioned by Danny Breer in that interview. So I get the yeah. sense. And again, like I said this on our show last night, I don't watch the Phantoms games. I have enough things on my plate covering the NHL team. But the fact that Danny Briere isn't talking them up, the fact that I haven't heard anything from the people who do watch Phantoms games regularly that I trust that are like, man, it's a disgrace that Ronnie Adder hasn't gotten his chance. It leads me to believe that they're not doing all that well. And that's a bummer because I really, I especially like Adder's potential. It's a bummer if he's not playing that well, but I understand if they look at it and they say, we don't want to reward a player with a call-up if he's not playing that well. We don't want to set that standard for our organization. I get it. And as much as we want to see the young guys, I understand. You yeah. got to earn it. Absolutely. If you maybe want to see this team up close, whether it's the Flyers or the Phantoms, maybe you got to do it with game time. Uh, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. The uh, day after Christmas, there is a... WWE live event at Madison Square Garden. I have never been to Madison Square Garden, and Ooh, that is the mecca of go. professional wrestling. Yeah. I'm shocked it's, you've never been to MSG. I've never been to MSG. I mean, all, I've been all I've those, been, all I've those been in jokes the about the train station. You've never been yeah, to Yeah, I've MSG. been in the train station. I've it's never been to the attic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, I've never been to MSG. Everyone says the layout there for wrestling is weird because it's like backwards from all other arenas, just the way it's set up. The great thing about game time 
Got a little seat view for you. Ooh. Open the app. Actually see where your seat's going to be, if it's obstructed, if it's where you want to sit. I'm trying to go up to New York with my wife for Christmas. And after we get done, you know, let's see all this stuff from Elf and all this uh, store windows and everything. But like, honey, I think uh, we're going to go watch some wrestling. <laughs> uh, so we're going to do that. And best way to do it, use game time. I so mean, that's- it, it does make sense, though. <laughs> You're going to go see wrestling on Boxing Day. It's hey, kind of appropriate. Look at you. There you go for our for our Canadian friends <laughs> and Kelly out there. Uh, just something I wanted to make sure we touched on. Just a stupid little thing I pulled out of uh, out of your Mark Stahl interview when Torts is talking about Zamula. Um, he mentioned he's playing with two hands on his stick too much. And we have considered the idea of doing like maybe whether it's on the show or extra YouTube content, like a cutting room floor sort of thing where you maybe divulge some of the shit that didn't quite make the article because it doesn't fit whatever you're uh, whatever you're going with. And I just heard a really funny interview with Luke Shen on 32 Thoughts, uh, him and Elliot one on one, where he was basically recalibrated when he gets drafted and called up to Toronto, uh, telling like forcing him basically to play with two hands on his stick. And then when he came to Philly, like he's working with Chris Pronger, Pronger's out injured, but he like him and Braden go to, uh, I think St. Louis and like hang out with Pronger for like a week or something. And they're watching tape and he's trying to like coach up Luke Shen. He's like, fuck are you doing? Why you got two hands on your stick? Like what? What? And he's like trying to explain to it. He's like, forget that shit. Stop it. Like, this is ridiculous. Did Torts expand on the two hands on his stick thing at all? Just cause I did not get what Luke, like what Luke Shen was telling, saying he was like taught with. I did not follow okay. up on the two hands. Thing. That's all. It, that, that whole idea though, of Pronger saying like, nah, forget that shit. It's dumb. <laughs> that, totally that's very that, much, man. you know what that <laughs> reminds Chris me of? Pronger. That reminds me of the stories I would hear about Jake Voracek <laughs> and where like, they would be in like, like power play meetings. <laughs> and one of the young guys would be told by like Michelle Terry and like do this. And then they'd leave the meeting and Jake would pull the guy aside and be like, that dude doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Just what do what you do. Amazing person. Jake Voracek. <laughs> the more we are finding out about Jake Voracek, the thing about him pissing his pants. He's and I got a, I got a shout out. Uh, Broad Street Hockey's Thomas Williams. Not only did he design that awesome shirt I was wearing on the post game last night, he dove into the story. Of, it was really good. Of Jake Voracek claiming to have pissed his pants while putting on his skates because of gout. Uh, If you didn't hear the story, Jake Voracek for like a month was telling the Flyers trainers, my foot's broken, yo. And they're like, no, it isn't. They keep showing showing him the x-rays. They're like, there is nothing broken in your foot. We don't know what to tell you. And then eventually they find out he has gout. This is a 27-year-old professional athlete. That man lives a life. Michael Delzato on Chicklets is like, this guy's diet was Pilsner, red wine, Wagyu beef, and sushi. That's it. That's the only thing he puts in his body. And so he has gout (laughs) despite being a 27-year-old elite professional athlete. And the pain was so bad. Putting on his skates before a game, he pissed his pants. He claims to have had a goal and an assist in the first period. Mr. Williams got into it. And maybe not in the first period, but... Plenty of times he had two points, but the uh, the investigative journalism, Charlie, you're the number one beat reporter that in was town. Really good, but 
I got to give it to uh, to Broad Street Hockey for that one. Freaking well, hilarious. I, I always like the, the one point I was made about Voracek because it was it was an open secret that on in many of his seasons, particularly in his early days, but I based on this story, I'm guessing it lasted much longer than his early days. He wouldn't exactly stay in the best of shape in the summers and then would kind of play himself back into shape in the season old school man and yeah. and the one thing that uh, that oh, always cracked me up was that his breakout season if you remember his first breakout season not the not the one where he had I think like 84 points in 82 games but the one was like the first time that he was point per game it was the lockout season it was 46 points in 48 games and i always was like well obviously because what happened was he played somewhere else he played somewhere else <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. where he lost all the weight and then he showed up in january and was at peak form and then was able to score point per game pace because Man. he he missed the bad part of his season i realized like the timing of it was impossible because he got traded for Jeff Carter. Mm. I wish he could have been on those teams. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> that would have been, been amazing. Uh, we only got a couple of minutes left. I want to get to one more thing. We're not going to have time for Craig Berube stuff, I guess, today. Uh, but, Greg. Uh, so Greg. last night, Travis Sanheim scored his fourth goal of the season last night. It is game 28. His career high is nine. Uh, he's got 21 points in 28 games. His career high is 35. First 25 games of the year, he averaged 26 minutes and one second time on ice. Uh, the fewest minutes he played in a game was 23-23. The last three games, he's averaged 21-50. He did go 23-26 uh, last night, tight game, you know, hmm. he's out there to score, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but has there been... Has there been any reaction to their saying publicly they're going to back up his minutes a little bit. And they clearly have like yeah. the minutes he played last night were the most he's played in three games. And it's basically even with his season low. Well, I think they, they bumped up the minutes probably because I thought he was really good against Colorado. Um, he, I haven't asked him about it yet. Okay. I might at some point over the next week or so, it wasn't top of mind for me on this trip to ask Sanheim, but like he's told me that he likes playing a lot of minutes. That said, I think he would acknowledge that over the past couple of weeks, his plays dipped a bit. So he would probably argue that's not because of him being overworked. That's because he just hasn't made the plays. But players don't admit fatigue. Like, they're never going to say, never. yeah, I'm tired. Never. They're just never going to do it because they want to play. They're, they're competitors. They want to be in the game as much as possible. Do I think it's possible that he is a little bit gassed? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's possible. And you know what? Like, it took him two months to get there, getting the most minutes of any defenseman in hockey. Like, sure, I think that's acceptable. No, he's uh, still averaging, I believe, the second most minutes by a couple of seconds behind John Carlson, a oh. really freaking good player. Good. Uh, maybe that's why the Caps are winning, because John Carlson's <laughs> back. I don't know. Uh, Kelly, a couple minutes left. Festivus. Oh. Come to our Festivus watch party Friday, December 22nd at Sports and Social at the Casino down by the uh, ballpark. It's going to be a lot of fun. Free food, which everyone likes. Drink specials. Hopefully some stuff from the Flyers. We are going to be auctioning, well, not auctioning, raffling off a Flyers jersey for charity so you can win yourself a Flyers jersey. But it's going to be a good time. Like I've said, it's always better to watch a Flyers game in a room full of Flyers fans. It's way more fun. 
All right, and that will do it for us today. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you know the drill. Subscribe wherever that button shows up. Follow us on Twitter, PHLY underscore Flyers, right here on the YouTube page. Never miss a live show. Set them reminders so you don't even have to, like, oh, look at the schedule. Nope, your phone will just tell you. Set the reminders. Of course, PHLY Flyers podcast. All right, that'll do it. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Kelly. Have a great week, Philly. Like the mayor.